0: redeemed. We're very glad to have our brother Ford Arnold with us this evening. We welcome him sincerely in our Saviour's name and we're looking forward to having our brother come and bring a word of testimony. We're going to ask him to come uh, just now and speak to us.
1: Well hello everybody. Uh, it's nice to see he's here this evening and uh, I'd also like to thank the Reverend Dean for the kind invitation to come and to speak to you this evening, to share a word of testimony with you, just simply of what the Lord's done for me in my life. And, you know, I'm always very humble to see anybody in front of me because I have three children at home and it's difficult enough getting them to listen to me, uh, never mind uh, anybody else that doesn't even know me. So I'm really uh, thankful and pleased that you are here. Um, before I start, if we just briefly... Uh, bow our heads in prayer and as i ask the lord for help this evening um you know i have to admit i don't know this congregation and i don't really i don't believe i know anybody here but you know you all know each other and i just would simply ask that you pray for the person maybe in front of you or behind you or beside you that perhaps maybe this message is for my lord and my god i thank you lord for bringing me to cross free presbyterian church this evening I thank you, Lord, for giving me a testimony to speak about. I thank you, Lord, for saving me, a hell-deserving sinner. Lord, I pray, Lord, for the congregation that's gathered here tonight. I pray, Lord, that you'll meet their need, Lord. I pray, Lord, that perhaps somebody here tonight might be spoken to and stirred up. Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you this evening, I have a few verses I'd like to read. First of all, few verses that are dear to me and uh, I'll be referring to them later on towards the end of my testimony. The first one of those is to be found in Jeremiah and the chapter 29. That's Jeremiah chapter 29 and I'm uh, start there at verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord. Amen. And the next reading then is back a few pages back in Isaiah chapter forty-three. It's Isaiah chapter forty-three, and it's from verses one and two. And I'm going to break into the first verse about halfway through, where it says, "O Israel," but you know, it's a it's a personal relationship that you're after with the Lord Jesus. And, you know, the Lord Jesus speaks to us all differently. Nobody's testimony is the same as anybody else's. Yes, there might be similarities, but, you know, the Lord loves us all personally and wants to get you to know you personally. He wants to be your friend. So where it says, O Israel, you can put your own name in here, I'm going to put my name in as I read this to you. O Ford, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. Amen. So I uh, uh, was born um, in Craigavon Area Hospital on the 29th of April, 1985, and I was uh, given the name Hartford Clark Arnold. Hartford is a family name of ours. There's not too many of us. We're a bit of a rare breed. Um, uh, and uh, my, my father was is Hartford. My grandfather uh, was Hartford, and my great grandfather was Hartford as well. So you could really say I'm fourth in line, although I'm not too sure what I'm in line for. But I'm fourth in line anyway. But um, just like my grandfather, I was gi- from the day I was born. I was given the name Ford for short, and. Uh, it's very rare that anybody ever calls me by my full name Hartford. The only person that really did it was my grandmother. And, uh, you know, so I knew if uh, if somebody calls me Hartford, I'm, I'm either in trouble or I know something serious. But um, I was the second son born to my mum and dad, Hartford and Phyllis Arnold. And I grew up on our family farm in Donaghcloney, a little village not too far from Lurgan. Sort of dropped in the middle between... Uh, Lurgan, Bambridge and Drumore, a wee village of Donaghcloney, and um, we grew. I grew up on my grandfather's uh, poultry farm, and uh, uh, I had an older brother, Thomas, who was born the year before me. But in around about the time that I was uh, I was due to be born, it was only then that mum and dad had realised that my brother Thomas, although he looked fit and healthy and well, that Thomas wasn't developing per- perhaps as they had expected. It was only then, as Thomas was about a year old, that they had took Thomas to do various tests for them, only to find out that Thomas had a condition uh, where a small part of his brain at the back of his head just hadn't fully formed properly. And as a result of that, Thomas was both mentally and physically handicapped. And Thomas would never be able to sit up by himself or walk or talk. And uh, Thomas was always going to need special care. Um, Then, the following year, uh, after I was born, in 1986, my mum was expecting again, and only then uh, to be told after my younger brother Wensley was born, that Wensley, too, had the same condition as his older brother, Thomas. Just like his older brother, Thomas, Wensley, too, was mentally and physically handicapped. But, you know, the two boys, my two brothers, you know, I didn't know any different the two boys were perfect to me and uh, they were my brothers and I loved them dearly and I have fond memories of helping mum to feed them and to lift them and to help, help, help with the chores of, of, of the special care and attention that they needed but part of their condition was that the two boys were very prone to chest infections unlike me or you that can get up and move about and uh, but, uh, the boys were unable to do that if they got a cough or a cold or chest infection, it really went to them, their chest and really lay on it. And so it was in the winter um, in 1989 that Thomas picked up a particularly bad chest infection. And mum and dad took him into the children's ward in Craigavon Area Hospital. And uh, But his chest infection just simply got worse and worse. And so it was that the chest infection developed further into pneumonia, and very quickly, only in a matter of days, Thomas got weaker and weaker. And finally, only a few weeks before his sixth birthday, Thomas went home to be with the Lord. Now, as a father, now myself, I can't imagine what it's like to lose a child, and uh, nor do I want to, but um, I can only imagine it was a horrendous time for mum and dad, and uh, you know they then were thrown into the blackness of grief and trying to make funeral arrangements for Thomas, and it was then that the, the the nurses in the Craigavon area hospital, who who had always taken such good care of Thomas and Wensley, they kindly offered to look after Wensley while Mum and Dad made arrangements for Thomas's funeral, and it was then that after Thomas's funeral, Mum and Dad went to visit Wensley, perhaps with a view of bringing little Wensley home. But you know, by now at this stage, Wensley too had got a bad chest infection. And then a couple of days further, Wensley too developed the same pneumonia that Thomas had developed. And just like his older brother Thomas. Nine days after Thomas, Wensley too went home to be with the Lord. At only four years of age. Again, such a loss to lose two young children in the space of nine days of each other, it just doesn't bear thinking about. But you know, just, I suppose, like the the blackness of grief at that time, just like the night sky, and the blacker the sky, the brighter the stars, and like the diamonds that shine out of it, so it too was against the blackness of grief in 1989 that the Lord gave our Arnold family diamonds of blessing. It was through that tragedy in our home that a brought my father to the Lord, my father got saved, and it also brought my mum back to the Lord, my mum was a backslider, and uh, you know how precious that was, and I can really say from a young age, at five years of age, that I was, uh, I knew very early on my need of a saviour, for we attended Lurgan Free Presbyterian Church, and I knew that I needed to be saved, and so it was at the age of six years of age, I asked the Lord Jesus into my heart. I can clearly remember it, going, kneeling beside my bed and asking the Lord into my heart and coming into the kitchen in our farmhouse at home and telling mum and how happy she was. But you know, it was easy for me as a child in our wee, my wee country school in Donna Cloney to defend my faith. You were never put to the, uh, put to the test really. But it was harder then as I got older And then I was into the big school in Balmbridge. There wasn't now 150 pupils in the school. I was now in a school with 1,500. And so it was as I got older. I just seemed to drift away from God. And, you know, then I would pick it up again at the weekend whenever I was going to the Friday night children's meeting or youth fellowship or then uh, Sunday school and church. You know, in the middle of this too then, as I was getting older, Uh, We had, uh, mum and dad also had another son. My younger brother Matthew was born. Matthew was born in 1995. Matthew was 10 years younger than me. And I'm sure for mum and dad it was a a big, I suppose perhaps a big concern of theirs as Matthew was due to be born. Would Matthew have the same condition as his older brother Thomas and Wensley? And would potentially they have to uh, bear this grief again? If, if, if Matthew suffered this from the same condition. But Matthew was born, and Matthew was well. And although there was 10 years of difference between me and Matthew, um, me and Matthew got on great. And uh, I don't know whether uh, I was, <laughs> Matthew made me more immature, or I made him more mature. I think it was the first one. But uh, me and Matthew got on great uh, together, so we did. But then again, back to me, and back to, I suppose, as I was coming up through school, I just seemed to drift away from God and uh, I suppose just trying to fit in with the crowd and to fit in with the the more senior boys in in the rugby team and uh, just simply try to fit in and fit in with the world and much to my shame I then replaced I suppose the Friday night on the youth fellowship I replaced that with attending the coach nightclub in Banbridge and other places up and down the country like it But, you know, I I suppose the way I went through my late teens and my early 20s was simply that, you know, I just thought I was the black sheep of the family. And I always thought that someday, whenever I was an old man, I'd have time for God again. You know, and and sure, the way I reasoned it with myself was I wasn't breaking any laws of the land. I still felt that I was a good person. And, you know, I just thought that I'd be all right. And it was only... Really, then I suppose as I got on older, um, you know, whenever I say that I felt like I was a black sheep of the family, you'll notice that I still thought I was a sheep. You know, it hadn't it hadn't dawned on me that I wasn't a sheep at all. I was a wolf in sheep's clothing. It was okay for me till, you know, back then it seemed okay for me to do whatever I wanted during the week, but only then to get my sheep's clothing out on a Sunday morning, put the suit on, and go out to church with mum and dad. But you just can't go on like that, and there was no, there was no joy in it. Many times I was convicted sitting in the church meetings, and many times I couldn't wait till the meeting to be over so I could get out the door, and to, think of something else and, and to get it off my mind. Then as I come on through into my twenties, by this stage I had met my future wife Nicola, and just like any young couple, uh, we had, a plan, were busy making plans of uh, one day getting married and one day getting a home and one day starting a family. And uh, I always, in the back of my mind, thought that I would set up these milestones for myself down the road where I would consider coming back to God. You know, I used to, whenever I was in my early teens, I thought, well, Ford, you can wait till you're married till you're an old married man. Uh, Or, Ford, you can wait until you've got children of your own or you can wait till your children are older. You know, I was always pushing it down the road. And so it was then, me and Nikki were married, we were married in 2011, and then uh, the Lord blessed us, we, we were expecting our first, uh, first child to be born in 2013, and so it was in 2013 that, although as a, as a backslider, I did plenty of praying that year, simply because I was really anxious, I was really nervous of, of, uh, of the son or daughter we were expecting, and I suppose I was just nervous if they were going to potentially have the same condition as my brother Thomas and my brother Wensley. But, you know, much to my shame, I have to say that, you know, once, um, once our son Thomas, we named him Thomas, uh, once our son was born and the doctors had done the tests that I had asked them to perform, that uh, once they'd come back with the good news that Thomas was well, well, so it was then that unfortunately I just set God back back down again and we come home and uh, I just sort of put, put everything to the back of my mind again but you know as I come on there was really I suppose two things that spoke to me that finally got me to sit up and pay attention and they were kind of running side by side on, on one hand it was, it was uh, a chance meeting I had with a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in a long time me and, me and this friend had went to school together <laughs> And we bumped into each other, and uh, out of nowhere, the topic of God come up. And it was my friend brought up the topic of God, and and this was strange to me because me and this friend had never spoken of God before. But he said to me that evening that, uh, he said, Ford, you know, I wouldn't go the whole way to say that I'm an atheist now, but I'm pretty close to it. Now, this really took me by surprise, although perhaps I didn't show it at the time. But I had always just thought that me and my friends, uh, you know, fair enough, we were bad sinners, but I just assumed that we we still believed in God deep down. And for him to tell me now that he didn't believe there was a God, and, you know, it really shook me. It really got to me. And the following day, I actually went on, and I searched and looked up and found a book, and I bought it, uh, and it was simply called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Because my friend had raised a lot of points and a lot of questions with me, uh, to, to, uh, and I just didn't have an answer for his questions, and I didn't like losing an argument. So in my way of thinking, I thought, right, I'll buy this book. I'll read it cover to cover, and whenever this friend's back from me, I'll be able to have an answer for him. But, you know, as I read that book, the book was written by an American author, a man called Frank Turek. And, you know, the book was very interesting. It really appealed to me, although it is written more like a, like a science book perhaps than, than, uh, uh, than, than a, a, a normal book, should I say. But it can be quite heavy reading. But I found it very interesting. And through that book, and then through other books um, by another man from Northern Ireland here, Professor John Lennox, it was through reading their books that uh, it really picked up my interest again in the Lord's Word. And so here I was now, back reading these books, On apologetics, and uh, and was also more importantly back reading the Bible. I was back studying God's Word, and I was finding it really interesting. But still, I wasn't. There was a wee part of me was holding back, a wee part of me that wasn't fully committing. And the the, suppose the final straw for me, the thing that finally spoke to me, was actually my two sons. By this stage, it was 2015. Me and Nicky had now welcomed our second son, Daniel, into the world. and But by this stage now, our oldest boy, Thomas, Thomas was no longer a baby. Thomas was now a toddler. Uh, Thomas was uh, uh, over two now, and how he would repeat the things that I would say and copy the things that I would do. And it was through that simple realization that it dawned on me that, you know, Ford... You can say to yourself and reason with yourself that you were saved at six, and perhaps if the Lord Jesus Christ come back tonight, you might just get into heaven by the skin of your teeth. But Ford, what about your sons? You know, if the boys grew up watching me and copying the and uh, uh, copying the things that I was doing and the way I was living my life, okay, by some. Uh, perhaps, um, you know, rule of thumb, they might grow up to be decent, law-abiding citizens. But will they know their Lord and Savior? And that, this thought really got to me. It really, it really, I couldn't argue this away. And, uh, you know, I put in a awful lot of wrestling with that. And so it was then, on the 1st of January 2016, You know, New Year's Day is a day of reflection uh, of the year that's just went in. But it's also a year or a day to look ahead to the year coming in. And I just knew that New Year's Day, I knew that morning that I didn't want to put in a year in 2016 like I had in 2015. And I very simply just um, cried on to God and asked him to come back into my life and to save me. And, you know, praise God so he did. Because I knew that he did. it was just a weight was lifted off me. Unless you've come through it, you can't really describe it or put into words. I just knew there was a burden lifted off me. And now I was studying the Bible, but how much more alive and vibrant it was. And you know, the things in this world that I still would have dabbled in, or perhaps things that I have watched on the television and would have laughed at, you know, the Lord just took the joy from them. And just how the one after the other, they just fell away. And I just simply lost interest in them. The Lord just took the joy from them. And, you know, I'd love to be able to sit down now and say that's uh, uh, that's the end of my testimony. But little was I to know that day on the 1st of January 2016 that, you know, I was going to need the Lord more than ever. For I had trials ahead of me. Later that same year, on Boxing Day 2016, my grandfather Ford passed away. He just lives lived a hundred yards away from me on the farm, just on the other side of the farmyard. And you know, it was a big loss for me. Uh, he was, my grandfather Ford was a big part of my life growing up, so he was, and he was very good to me. But you know, I had a lot to be thankful for because you know he'd lived a long, uh, healthy uh, life with no real aches or pains. And, uh, you know, most important of all, I knew that my, late in life, my Ford had got saved. And I knew that one day that I had met him again. Then coming into 2019, at Easter, my grandmother Jean, my Ford's wife, she had suffered with dementia the previous seven or eight years. And, you know, she just finally succumbed to that in Easter 2019. And again, that was a big loss for us because she too was a big part of my life she was like a second mother to me growing up and uh but again a lot to be thankful for for it was uh 20 years previous my grandmother jean had got saved at a wee mission hall only one mile from their door on the liston road and uh, I, i knew that one day too i would meet her again so me and nicky then in 2020 at the beginning of it we uh we started 2020 with so much hope and so much to look forward to because uh, my grandparents had been very good to me in their lifetime but they'd also been very good to me in their death because they'd left me their farm, their farmhouse and the farm. And so it was at the beginning of 2020 that me and Nicky started to renovate the house and and, uh, we were planning on moving into it at Easter 2020 and uh, we had a lot to be looking forward to. Our children were excited because they were not going to have to share a bedroom anymore. They were going to get one of one uh, of their own. But you know, um, there was also a lot of excitement in uh, from my younger brother, Matthew. For Matthew had been married in 2018. Uh, Matthew and Kira uh, were now expecting their first child together, and uh, they were due in March 2020. And how we were all looking forward to that. So it was then on the 14th of March, Matthew and Kira welcomed their little daughter Eve into the world and how uh, excited we all were and how delighted we were. Uh, but Kira was really one of the last uh, ladies to give birth in Craigavon Area Hospital with the COVID restrictions had just come into place and how this had come out of the blue and how much worry there was right at the beginning of the pandemic for nobody really knew how it would affect a newborn child. And I know that Matthew and Kira were very nervous of it and the doctors too, too, Whenever they released Maddie and Kira uh, to go home, they warned them not to be going outside on, uh, and to stay indoors with the newborn child. And I felt really sorry for Maddie and Kira because, you know, you've been uh, all you want to do at that point is to show everybody the the, the wee baby and to, to show off uh, your your hard work, I should say. But uh, you know, I felt really sorry for them because. Uh, they couldn't come, come out over the door. But Matthew being a country fella, he, Matthew couldn't stick this for too long. And after the first week, Matthew phoned my mum and dad and said, Mum, me clear out my bedroom because me and Kira and little Eve we are going to come and move in with you because if we're going to have to isolate, we may as well do it together. And so it was that Maddie and Kira and little Eve, they moved in with my mum and dad. And looking back on it now, how precious that was and how meant to be that was, the mum and dad got Matthew home again for a few weeks to see him at home as a father. And, you know, how precious time that was to them. But Matthew, uh, uh, our little... or Sorry, should, I should have mentioned that our family has a little food business in Dromore, uh cottage desserts. And uh, we were classed... Um, because we are food business, we were classed as essential work. And Matthew, working with me, was deemed an essential worker so Matthew had to come back to work and so he did come back to work on Monday the 6th of April. Mondays in our place can be quite busy so I hardly got to speak two words to him that day but the following day Tuesday the 7th of April I got more time with him and so it was that afternoon that me and Matthew worked together on um, a piece of machinery that uh, wasn't working properly and me and Matthew worked together on it all afternoon to getting it uh, fixed and getting it built back together later on that evening everybody else had left my dad had just left as well and it was just me and maddie there and uh, i just had simply asked matthew you know maddie uh, we can, can i'm going to go on here would you mind locking the gate uh, matthew had to wait 10 minutes on on some of the equipment to wash down in the factory it was on a wash cycle and uh, i simply said to matthew you know Maddie, i see you in the morning. And off I sat, and I shouted cheerio to him. And so it was from Dremore back to Donachrony. It's only 10 minutes away. And I come home that evening, and uh, Nicky had my dinner on the table. And uh, it didn't take me too long to eat it. Uh, and our children were jumping up and down. They wanted to go outside, because it was a lovely evening. And we were outside cutting the grass. And I was only doing that for 15 or 20 minutes. And I seen... Uh, Nicky walking down the lane to me and she just uh, I stopped the lawnmower and she says Ford your mummy's been trying to phone you she can't get Matthew to answer his phone she doesn't know where he is he's late home for his dinner this really baffled me because I knew that Matthew should only have been 10 minutes behind me and I couldn't I couldn't think of where he would be so I tried to phone him but no answer just went to his voicemail and then the call come through from mum and all I got on the phone call was that the police were at Matthew's door in Donaclony. The police had arrived at Matthew's front door in Donaclony, but because Matthew and Ciara weren't living there, they were isolating with my parents. Matthew and Ciara weren't there, but the neighbor had seen the police car and the neighbor had phoned uh, with the news that the police were there. Well, I didn't need to hear any more. I just run up the yard and hopped into our, my little van and drove the mile into the village And just as I turned into the estate, I met the police car coming out. And I simply waved it down and I asked the police officer, I said, are you looking for Matthew Arnold? And I can always remember he didn't say, yes we are or no we're not. He just simply said, who are you? And just as I said, I'm his brother. Just for the briefest of seconds, the lady police officer in the passenger seat, she just lost her composure. And I knew then that the news wasn't good. But the police officer just just simply asked me to get in to sit in the back seat of their car, and it was there that he just simply said to me that Matthew had been involved in a two-vehicle collision at approximately half six that Tuesday evening, and that Matthew had been pronounced dead at the scene. Now those were words that I never expected in my life to hear. And just with those few words Just the whole bottom of my world just fell out. That's the only way I can describe it. It just turned completely upside down. I just couldn't believe that this had happened again. I couldn't believe that I'd lost three brothers. And I couldn't make sense of it at all. I couldn't believe that Matthew at the age of only 24 and his wee baby girl at home only three weeks old and here Matthew now was called home simply couldn't take it in and you know what i have to stand here tonight and freely admit i don't have an answer for you on that i know it's uh, it's just past the two-year mark in some ways i can't believe that two years have come and gone in some ways it feels like i only spoke with matthew yesterday in other ways though it feels like a lifetime it feels so long from seen him or i heard his voice but, you know, I have to say now, coming out of it and a little bit further down the road, that I can honestly say that the Lord has been good. You know, just like in 1989, as difficult as it was and still continues to be, but again, against the, uh, the blackness of grief, the Lord gave our Arnold family and also Matthew's wife, Kira, the Beatty family, diamonds of blessing. In the days after Matthew's home call in our Arnold family and the Beatty family we have had nine family members have come to know the Lord and how precious that is. You know, it's just it has been powerful. It has been powerful also and I also want to thank uh, people that have prayed for us. The outpouring of grief and the people who have got reached out and got in contact with us has been very humbling and You know, I can testify that prayer works because I'm able to stand here tonight and talk about it. You know, um, and many things along the way the Lord has given me, along the way whenever I've been down, he's given me a wee message, perhaps a, a text message from somebody who's got my number off somebody else, or an email, or a card in the post. Just something, a wee word as to when I needed it. And simply tonight as I close, I just want to share one of those wee instances with you. You know, as I part of my job role in work is uh, is doing deliveries. And uh, late on in the autumn of 2020, I was out doing a delivery. And it was coming from Drumore over to Lurgan. And uh, on that wee road, it's only 10 miles from Drumore to Lurgan. But I know on that road I'd have to pass the scene of where Matthew's accident was. And just that day coming past the scene of the accident, I was really missing Matthew and just really annoyed and uh, still trying to make sense of it all. And I simply just cried out onto God, you know, and I just said, Lord, why me? Now, don't get me wrong, I don't mean, mean that, and I'm feeling sorry for myself kind of way. I simply meant, you know, Lord, why is it me that's been left behind? You know, why isn't it my brother Thomas here tonight speaking in Crossgar or Wensley or Matthew? Lord, why is it me that you've, you, you want me to stay here? What, what work can I do for you, Lord? And, you know, I simply got to the delivery site in Lurgan. And by this stage, the tears were rolling down my face. And whenever I had to wait my turn on the delivery, and I just simply, something asked, just put it in my heart, you know, to look up my name. You know, my name's, as I said at the start, you know, it's, there's not too many of us. And I simply looked up the, the, the name Ford. And, you know, that word Ford, it's an old English word. It's not used too often now. But if you look it up in the Oxford Dictionary, it's simply the definition of it is a, a, a safe or a shallow and a safe place to cross a river. And deep down and way back in my mind, I knew this from, from doing my geography at school. I knew this, and I could remember seeing Ford on a map of the morns any time I've walked in the morns. Where there's a wee shallow place to cross a stream, or a good place to cross a stream, they'll have Ford written on the map where it's safe to cross. And so it was, whenever you look something up on Google, uh, you know you, you, your phone will bring up related images. And so it was just a, 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 an image come that came uh, up that afternoon on the phone, and, and it was just off a road sign. And I have a printout of the road sign here. I'll hold it up so you can see it. And it was just simply that Ford road sign. And just as I simply looked at it, I seen my name obviously on the sign. And but my eye was immediately drawn to the three corners. And immediately I just thought of the three brothers that had lost. But I also looked at the red band around the sign. And immediately also, it just reminded me of the of the blood the lord jesus christ shed not just for them but for me and you also and i knew that although i missed thomas and wensley and although i missed matthew dearly i had a lot to be thankful for because of the work that the lord jesus had done you know matthew was saved and i knew that Ma- i would see matthew again and i'll have all eternity with matthew to get caught up with him you know but um I couldn't believe what I was saying I couldn't believe what I was thinking and you know as I left Lurgan to come back home to Drumore, again as I, I was thinking in my mind but you know whenever the whenever the Lord's trying to speak to you the devil's in the other ear trying to give you doubt and so he was that day He's Just I he, all I could hear was Ford you're not thinking straight at all this is only coincidence and you know don't be thinking too much of this but you know as I come back past the scene of where Matthew's accident was, it then dawned on me. You know, that wee part of the road, that junction, that T-junction, officially it's known as the, the, uh, the junction of the B2 Lurgan Road with the Black Skull Road. But you know, if you're from our neck of the woods, that wee townland is known as the Thorny Ford. The scene of where Matthew's accident was was at a ford. And just there where that T junction is, you, there's a wee bridge there where you cross the river lagging. And I couldn't believe this. I got back to the factory and I just couldn't believe what I was thinking, you know, the, how the Lord had spoke to me. And that is just simply the wee thought I want to leave with you. You know, as I cried out unto the Lord, Lord, what work would you have me do for you? Well, my job tonight is just like this road sign it's just to warn you and to point you to a crossing. Because to me, you know, your life is like a river. I can't understand why some people's rivers or some people's lives are longer than others. I don't know why Matthew's life or river was only 24 years of age. I don't know how long mine will be. But I do know that it will end. And it will end in the eternity of the ocean. But you know, you can walk the river of your life but you can walk it on two sides a river has two sides just like your life you, you know you can walk in the world on the world side but you can cross the river and you can walk with the lord but you know to cross the river you're going to need a safe and secure place and a safe place to cross is out of forward you know the wee verse that we read earlier there's nothing to be afraid of crossing the river the Lord said in Isaiah when thou passest through the waters I will be with thee and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. You know my job tonight is just like this road sign. It's just to point you to the cross. And I'm not getting ahead of myself for I can't save you. My job is just to simply to point you towards it and to ask you to come. You know but I think the Lord has made it very clear and very simple. You know there's There's a ford before you tonight. There's an opportunity to cross the river if you'd only take it. And please, I'd ask you just to come. Thank you very much. And hand back to the reverend. Thank you.
0: Can I thank Ford for coming and bringing that word of testimony to our hearts? We rejoice that there is a place of crossing that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that brings us from death to life. And our brother has spoken about that verse in Isaiah 43, when we pass through the waters. And this life is full of the waters and the fires and all the rest that speak of the trials of life. And sometimes, indeed, we can't understand God's ways are far above our ways. But we rejoice in the promise that God has given us that he'll be with us. Now, is he with you? Is he with you? Do you know him as your Savior? In the midst of the trials and troubles of life, have you a foundation, a rock in which you can stand? And we invite you to come to our Savior and our Lord, the one who cares for us. He doesn't say that we'll not pass through waters and trials and fires, but he says, I'll be with you in the midst of them. And that's a wonderful thing. But we need to come by the way of the cross and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. We're going to close by singing the final hymn there, the hymn 233. But could I say to you, if God has spoken to you tonight, maybe uh, as our brother has spoken about the backsliding life, sometimes you can get into the place of backsliding and away from God, but doesn't it doesn't satisfy Um, The hymn writer said, I tried the broken cisterns, but ah, the waters failed. As I stooped to drink, they fled, and mocked me as I wailed. And you know there's no other place of satisfaction but that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. 233 is the hymn, once again the gospel message from the Saviour you have heard, will you heed the invitation, will you turn and seek the Lord. The hymn 233, uh, it says in verse 2, many summers you have wasted. And I can identify with our brother because he was saying about putting it off and putting it off. And before I was saved, I had the same thoughts. Um, I'd get saved when I was old. I'd get saved when I'd made, got reached another stage in life. And that's what the devil would want you to do. I'd put it off. You've plenty of time. Sometimes we don't have plenty of time and the time is now to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. We'll sing uh, the first three verses of this hymn, 233, and we'll stand as we sing the first three verses of the hymn. gracious father in heaven we pray that there might be that look into christ tonight we thank thee for the testing we have heard we rejoice in thy dealings with thy servant we thank thee lord for the way that thou dost draw near to us in times of need and O god we thank thee uh, for the way of salvation for the wonderful assurance of sins forgiven a home in heaven And our Father, we pray that thou wouldst draw near. Lord, we uh, think of the Arnold family. We pray, Lord, for our brother here. We pray for Hartford Hartford and Phyllis. We pray for Kira. And we'd ask thee that thou wouldst draw near to them every day and surround them with thy blessing as thou hast done. And, O God, we thank thee for their rest in thee. And we pray that thou wouldst continue to bless and undertake. As the word of God uh, has been proclaimed tonight, we pray that thou wouldst draw many to thyself. Now part us in thy blessing. Take us uh, to our homes in safety when we go. We do uh, give thanks for the food that has been provided. We pray that we might eat and drink to thy glory. Draw us nigh to thee, pour out thy spirit upon us, and bless us now and in the incoming days. For it's in Jesus' precious name, I would ask these things. Amen. Amen.